Uh, Luke chapter 17, and uh, we're going to uh, uh, look, uh, read verses 1 through 10, and uh, honestly, it's one of those uh, parables that uh, I've read before, and uh, I've often uh, kind of wondered about it, uh, but I studied it out today and found some good truth in there I want to share with you. So if you find your place, let's stand together uh, for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that all offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he, ca- and he cast into the sea, than he should be offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when, is, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to me? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink." Doth he thank that servant, because he did the thing that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word bringeth forth light. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts through it tonight, Lord. Thank you for the, for the Bible, the word of God. Now, Lord, as we turn our attention to the scripture, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, work in us tonight. I pray that you'd allow the word of God to do uh, what it is that you've set it out to do, Lord. Uh, it would help us and change us and make us what you'd have for us to be. We love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, the, the scripture I first read, uh, as a lot of times, gives us the background of the parable or why Jesus was teaching this particular truth. And uh, he starts out in the first couple of verses that I read talking about uh, offenses and, and how that offenses are going to come. And uh, let me say this, folks, because we're living in a sin-cursed earth, that's exactly right. Uh, that This earth is, uh, by the way, right now, uh, God doesn't rule on the earth, okay? Uh, Jesus doesn't rule on the earth. Now, there's going to be a day he does, amen? And I'm thankful for that. I'm looking forward to that. But right now, uh, the the stewardship of the earth, if you will, uh, has been given over to the devil. By the way, you know why? You know why? Because we as mankind gave it up. That's why. Back in the Garden of Eden, God intended for man to be the stewardship of the earth. But because of our sin, we gave the stewardship of the earth up to the devil. And that's why when in Matthew chapter 4, when Satan came and tempted Christ, remember one of the temptations? He took him up to the pinnacle uh, or took, took him to a great mountain and showed him the kingdoms of this earth and said, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. By the way, they at this time are his to give because God's allowed him to be in control of that. And because because of that, folks, let me tell you, one of the most unfortunate things we find out about living on this, uh, th- this life and living here on earth is that all fences will come. Amen? I wish it weren't the case. I wish uh, uh, th- th- bad things wouldn't happen uh, to good people. But truth be told, folks, it's just the way life works. All right? But notice what Jesus said here. He says, it were better for him 
that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast in the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. By the way, you know what I call that? Millstone justice. By the way, God still thinks that way. Amen? I'm going to tell you, there's something about uh, that is, is uh, according to what the Bible teaches here and other places, uh, there's going to be an extra hot place in hell for people that offend little children. Amen? And I'm not going to go any further than that, but I think we adults know what I'm talking about. Amen? And I, by the way, zero patience for that. Zero tolerance. None. All right? None. And that, that kind of wicked garbage, millstone justice is what God Amen. says. Amen? It were better that a millstone were hanged around their neck and they were, they were drowned in the depths of the sea than to offend one of these little ones. By the way, I agree with God. Amen? All right? Now notice what he says here, verse 3. Now notice what Jesus says. Take heed to yourselves. Now Jesus is going to take a truth here. He's talking directly to the, to the disciples. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. All right? Now we're talking about interpersonal relationships here. All right? We're talking about dealing with problems when it comes to brothers, when it comes to fellow Christians. Amen? And he's talking about the fact that, listen, in other places, it sheds light on this passage of Scripture, that if you have an odd against a brother, you go to that brother. Amen? And there ought to be open communication between Christians when problems arise. And by the way, folks, here's what I say. Uh, all the time I'm touting this that we're a church family. But you know what occasionally happens in church families? Disagreements. What happens in your personal family? Disagreements, all right? And when that thing comes up, the wrong thing to do is to get bitter, to get mad, to backbite. The right thing to do is to go to the person and work it out. Amen? So you go to them, and it says, listen, if there needs to be some rebuke, let there be some rebuke. By the way, let me just say this, folks. There's something in the Christian life that we need to get back to. It's called tough love. You know what? You know what love will do? Tell you what you... Uh, not tell you what you want to hear, tell you what you need to hear. And you know, some of the, the people in my life that loved me the most were people who were willing to tell me the truth about things that were hard for me to hear. Now, I think we ought to do it in the spirit of Christian love, but let me tell you something, folks. Uh, it means this, we deal with things, all right? We deal with things. But then, notice what he says. And if he repent, forgive him. And then verse 4, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, Okay, now, uh, that, that's, uh, that would be hard to take. And seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. You know what that's talking about? A spirit of forgiveness. Amen? And let me tell you something, folks. We as Christians need to have that spirit of forgiveness. Now, I'm not talking about, and Jesus is pretty clear on it, amen, not to deal with stuff, all right? We're talking about when someone, we're dealing with things the way they need to be dealt with, and a person, particularly a fellow brother or sister, asks for forgiveness, you know what we need to do? Forgive. Forgive. Now, isn't it interesting? But, but verse 5 cracks me up, amen? And if you'll just kind of understand the Bible and read it for what it is, there's really a lot of humorous kind of things in the Bible. Notice what the, the apostles hear this. No doubt Jesus is teaching, and, you know, we know how the apostles were. I mean, they weren't the great preachers of the book of Acts yet, okay? All right? The apostles still had a lot, to, a lot of things to work through. And I love what they say. They're like, increase our faith. It's like, Lord, how in the world are we going to do this? How is this possible? Seven times? Forgive Him seven times? Yeah, no wonder they needed their faith increased. Amen? 
And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. And so Jesus here now, He's going to teach us a parable with those particular things in the background to teach us a parable about service, amen, and about our faith to be increased and about a mindset all of us as Christians need to have, all right? So he tells the parable there in verse 7 through 10. He told about a servant that after working in the field all day was not allowed to eat until he prepared a meal for his master. He had to stand by until the man had finished eating, the master had finished eating. And by the way, notice what else Jesus added about that. He said, listen, not only was the servant to do that, the master didn't even owe his servant a thank you. Okay? Now, now what you think about this, that seems like it's a pretty harsh parable. All right? It seems like it's a pretty harsh teaching here. In fact, there's other places where Jesus said that he was going to serve. In fact, listen to this verse here. Uh, Jesus is saying in, in Luke 22, verse 27, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Okay, so Jesus here puts himself as a servant. Remember in the book of John where he washed the disciples' feet as a servant? Okay, and but yet here in this parable, he kind of seems to be turning the table a little bit, talking about the fact that a servant is to serve without uh, uh, needing to be thanked. A servant needs to serve uh, uh, just because, as we're going to see in a minute, because that's what he's supposed to be doing, because it's, it's the right thing for a servant to, uh, to serve. Now, again, you've got to understand the context of the previous verses of what Jesus was teaching here. All right, the fact that they were to forgive and they were to uh, uh, live in such a way that was uh, would, would exemplify an attitude of forgiveness and an attitude of humility. All right, an attitude of humility. And the point of this parable, all right, verses seven through ten, the main that there, there's two main points of this parable, and this is what we're going to look at tonight. All right, the first main point is a mindset. It's a mindset to keep us humble. Amen. Because I don't know how y'all work, amen. I, all I know is this. As a Christian, uh, as a human being, it's very easy to let pride creep into our lives. Very easy. And by the way, I think I said this uh, Sunday night. If we say that we never have a problem with pride, that's a proudful statement. Because every single person deals with pride. And especially if we allow God to work through us and God does some things through us and allows us to accomplish some things for Him, while all of a sudden we start to get proud about it. Amen? I mean, there's many illustrations in the Scripture about that. I think of, uh, of Saul. And remember Saul when, when God first called him? Uh, in fact, when it was the day to, for him to be anointed as king, they couldn't find him. And the Bible says that he was hiding amongst the stuff, amen? And we all know what the stuff is, right? We all got plenty of the stuff at our house. And But Saul was hiding because, you know what, he understood something, that he wasn't worthy uh, to be the, the king of the nation of Israel. In fact, later on, God said that Saul at one time was little in his own eyes, amen? And by the way, that's kind of, again, the teaching of this parable is for us not to get a proud mindset, but keep a humble mindset, and to stay little in our own eyes, all right? But you know what? Saul didn't stay there. God began to use Saul. Saul got proud. Saul got puffed up. So much to so that the, one of the very last things he did before he committed suicide and took his own life was he went and inquired of a, of a witch, 
to tell him because God wasn't speaking to him anymore because of his pride and his arrogance and his sin. He, he was so low that he went and inquired from a witch. I mean, talk about where pride will take you. Amen? And so the point of this parable, first of all, is that we as Christians, we as uh, followers of Christ, will humbly depend upon the Lord and obey Him because our hearts are full of love and gratitude. Amen? And so it's about a humble mindset. And then the also the, the other teaching of this parable is what he says in verse 10. Look at verse 10. The last part of verse 10, notice what it says. It says this, For we have done that which was our duty to do. Amen? And let me just say this, folks, all right? There's different motivations why we ought to serve the Lord. I believe the number one motivation is because we ought to love Him. Amen? I mean, listen, we love Him because He first loved us. And that ought to be our number one motivation for doing anything for the Lord is because we love Him. But you know what? If we have a base motivation, I mean, the, the, the last line, okay, that ought to keep us serving God is that of duty. That of duty. Okay? Now, folks, listen to me. Sometimes our love, because of our fallen state, waxes and wanes. All right? I mean, listen, I wish every single day, man, I was just serving God out of a heart of love. But you know what? Here's the thing, folks. Sometimes, hopefully most of the time, it is out of a heart of love. But on those days where you don't feel it, on those days where you think maybe God has turned a, a blind eye to you and it seems like the heavens are brass and your prayers aren't getting through, listen to me. The, the, on those days, the basis of our motivation ought to be that of duty. Amen? Because He's our Savior. He's our Master. We belong to Him. That of duty. So this parable is teaching us the, the truth of a humble mindset and, a, and, and, and our motivation, our base motivation is that of duty. By the way, here's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 12. Pretty famous passage of Scripture here. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Listen, you ready? We all know what it says, right? Which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable, amen? You know why? Because He's our God, that's why. And He's not just our God, He's our Savior. He's purchased us with His own blood. We belong to Him. And because we belong to Him, it's reasonable for us to obey Him. It's reasonable for us to give ourselves to Him, amen? And so let's, let's dive right into this tonight. And let's look at this thing as far as our faith being increased by the teachings here of this parable. All right? First of all, here's what we see. If you want your faith to be increased, and you know what, truth be told, folks, all of our faith needs to increase. Amen? No matter where you're at on the faith scale, I don't think there's one of us that, that, that couldn't have more or shouldn't have more. By the way, let me just go back and kind of uh, refresh this here. What is faith? All right? We need to define what faith is. A lot of people th uh, uh, feel like that faith is, is some kind of feeling or some kind of, you know, spiritual mindset. That's not what faith is. The book of Hebrews tells us what faith is. Now faith is substance, the, 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 the evidence of things hoped for, the substance, or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is substance, faith is evidence. Here's a biblical definition of faith, all right? Faith is our belief and confidence in God and His Word that spurs us to action. That's faith. Amen? Faith is this. 
All right, God, you tell me in the Bible that in order for me to go to heaven, I must uh, realize I'm a sinner, put my faith and trust in you, and believe in you with my heart to be saved, God. And because the Bible says that's what I must do to be saved, that's what I'm doing. I'm putting my faith and trust in what you and your word says. That's faith. Okay? That, that's a basic Bible definition of faith. By the way, we know that's true because if you go to that chapter where it talks about what faith is, the rest of that chapter then tells us what our, our forefathers, what our Bible heroes did in faith. Amen? They just believed God. They obeyed God because God said to obey. Amen? And that's faith. So that being said, all right, we all need to increase in that area of our life. So here, here's what we see through this parable. We see four particular things that will help our faith to be increased. First of all, look at verse 7. But which of you, having a servant, having a servant. So here's the first one. You ready? Be a servant. Amen? Be a servant. Listen, you want your faith to grow in the Christian life. You know what you got to figure out? you got to figure out that God has called for us as Christians to serve. All right. Now I know in a human mindset that doesn't seem to be the the big glamorous you know position we all want to have. But you know what, folks? It's so important that we understand something. If we're going to be pleasing in the eyes of our master, if we're going to have our faith to increase, if we want to hear "Well done," well, we got to finish what that statement says, right? "Well done, good and faithful." What servant? Amen. Now listen, folks. Let me tell you what the Christian life is. It's a life of service. It's a life of service to the master first and foremost. And then as we serve the master, guess what the master has us do? Serve others. Serve others. And let me tell you what the local church provides. It provides opportunities of service. Amen? Opportunities of service. By the way, that ought to be the thrust of any local assembly. Amen? Not just the internal, but then what we're learning here in the church house to take it out there and serve. By the way, what do you think all these things we have planned and these things we got going uh, a week from this Wednesday when we have that meal? What's that about? It's about an opportunity of service, all right? To be able to serve others who who, uh, need to to see Christ's love, need to see that people love and care about them, and on and on we could go. And let me just say this, folks. If you want your faith to increase, you must be a servant. How about this? Look at verse 8. And will not rather say to him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. You ready? How about this? Put God first. Amen. By the way, you know who the master represents in that parable? It represents God. Okay? And he's the one that's called us to service. And you know what? Without a shame, without, without any apology, amen? Without any uh, uh, God, God first and foremost always declares that he ought to be the number one place in our lives. Amen? And, I, and I'll always preach that. I do preach it. I always preach it. Let me just say this. You'll never, your faith will never grow if you don't put God first. Let me tell you the mindset, all right, of most, most Christians. You know what? Uh, uh, they say they, they love God. They say they, you know, oh, I'm a Christian. I associate with Christ. By the way, that's what the word Christian means, Christ-like. I think we ought to stop using that word for things that aren't Christ-like. Okay? Listen, if something's not Christ-like, don't use the word Christian in front of it. To me, the biggest, most ridiculous area that's used in is, you know, Christian rock music. That's the biggest anomaly I've ever heard in my life. That's like saying this, I'm a Christian murderer. I'm a Christian thief. 
I mean, come on, folks. Those things don't even go together one bit. All right? And so listen, if we're going to be Christ-like, then you know what we must do? Put God first. And unashamedly, God demands first place in our lives. He demands the first day of the week. By the way, the first day of the week, Sunday, the Lord's Day, belongs to Him. That's why it's called, folks, the Lord's Day. How many times you talk to people, oh, Sunday's my only day off, the only day for me. Well, guess what? If you're a Christian, it don't belong to you anyway. It belongs to God. And you know what the Bible says about the Lord's Day? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? So that means this. When the church doors are open as Christians, we ought to be there. Amen? All right? Unless we're providentially hindered, we ought to be there. And so you ought to give God the first day of your week. By the way, God doesn't stop there. You know, God demands the first part of our income. Oh, no, the preacher's preaching on money. Amen? Oh, yeah, from time to time, the preacher's going to preach on money. You know why? Because it's in the Bible, that's why. Amen? Amen. God demands it, folks. Listen, by the way, the tithe doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. Amen? And the Bible says, Malachi talks about, will a man rob God? By the way, think about what that statement says. It doesn't say, will a man steal from God? Okay? If you steal from somebody, you take it without them knowing it. You know what robbing means? It means you take it by force. And God says, if you're not giving me my tithe, you are robbing me. You're taking by force what belongs to me. Amen? So unapologetically, God says, yes, I demand the first day of your week. I demand the the, the first part of your income, the tithe. You know what? But that's not all. On and on the list goes. You know God demands all of us. Amen? You hear me say this before, and I hate it. There's certain sayings that are out there that, uh, you know, were made popular. But that stupid bumper sticker used to be real popular when I was a kid. God is my co-pilot. Well, guess what, folks? God has zero interest in sitting in the co-pilot seat. Amen? You know where God ought to be? He's in the driver's seat. Amen? We're with Him. He's not with us. We're with Him. He's the one that ought to be directing. He's the one that ought to be leading. He ought to be the one driving the wheel and pulling the levers and getting us where we go. Amen? And so listen, folks, all throughout every part of our life, uh, God demands first place. So if you want your faith to be increased, you know what you need to do? Put God first. By the way, it's a conscious decision to do so. It's a conscious decision. All right? And again, folks, the world's going to do what the world does. We're not talking to, to the world tonight. We're talking to we as Christians. Amen? And we just need a good old-fashioned uh, dose of revival of putting God first in our life. How about this? Verse 9. This is a little bit of a hard pill to swallow, but we need to hear it. Amen? Serve without thanks. Look what he says. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded him? I love Jesus' answer. I trial not. You know what Jesus is saying? I don't think so. That's what He's saying. Ain't the way it is, is what He's saying there. Amen? Listen to me, folks. Serve without thanks. What is your motivation for service anyway? Is it so, you know, so-and-so can come by and give you a big old pat on the back and thank you for all the things that you do? By the way, remember what Jesus is doing here. He's trying to correct different philosophies of of following God that, that was the example of the day. Presumably from the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. There's, there's several places where we hear about what they like to do. You know, they like to go around making big long prayers so everyone can hear their big flowery uh, prayers and think that they're spiritual because they can use big words. Or they like to go around and, and uh, the, the uh, Bible says they would fast and they would disfigure their faces and make themselves look miserable so everybody could know that they fasted. 
Listen, what were they doing? They were doing it for outward show. By the way, why do we do what we do? Why do we, why do we come to church? Why do we participate in certain things? Is it because we can get the applaud of men? By the way, if that's the case, you know what Jesus said? You have your reward. There you go. Good job, good job, because that's the only reward you're going to get for it. Let me say this, folks. God knows the motives of our heart. Amen? What's the reason we do what we do? We ought to be serving as Christians, not because everybody's looking at us and praising us. We ought to serve whether anybody knows about it or not. Amen? Serve without thanks. Serve without thanks. And then that leads to verse 10. How about this? Do more than your duty. Do more than your duty. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants, for we have done that which was our duty to do. And folks, let me just say this, all right? Compared to what we ought to be, and compared to what we should be, there's not one of us that's not unprofitable servants. We are unprofitable servants. Yes, we are, folks, because every single one of us falls short of the goal of Christ-likeness that we all ought to be in our lives. I don't know about y'all, I fell short this week. I didn't want to, but I did. And you know what, truth be told, folks, because of, of the things that we deal with, and I'm not saying we ought to make excuses for it, we shouldn't, but compared to what we ought to be for God, we're all just unprofitable servants. And you know what this means? You know what this does, this mindset does for us? It keeps us humble. It keeps us realized, God, listen, Lord, I, Lord, I, I want to please you, but, but God, I, I, I know that, that, that even in my best efforts, Lord, I, I still tend to fail you. And yes, we do, amen? And folks, listen to me now. Now, the good thing is, all right, and this is what you find out about God, okay? When we humble ourselves, God always lifts us up out of that. But here's the thing. Let God lift us up and not let ourselves lift ourselves up, Amen? I'm going to tell you, the Bible says it. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. When God's ready to exalt us, He'll exalt us. By the way, let Him do the exalting, not let us. Let me tell you, even when God does exalt us, keep the mindset that we're unprofitable servants. Because if it wasn't for His grace and mercy, folks, let me tell you something. Grace is the only thing keeping us out of hell. Because we deserve hell. You know what we ought to do every morning? Here's what I say. When we get up in the morning, we'll look ourselves in the mirrors, we're brushing our teeth. We either ought to thank it or say it out loud. You deserve hell. And just say that to yourself every day. Because you know what that'll do? That'll help us keep a humble mindset of who we truly are in God's eyes. Now, praise the Lord, folks. Listen to me. God doesn't want us to be, you know, down on ourselves to the point where, you know, this, this, you know, the, the world talks about all the time, you know, uh, as far as self-image and, and all this and all that. Listen, folks, here's the thing. When you humble yourself and you come to God as you are, God will always bring you up. God will always lift you up and show you grace and show you mercy. Amen? Sure He does. It's all throughout the Scripture. But we need to have a humble mindset of who we truly are before God Almighty. Amen? So listen, do more than your duty. Alright? Do more than your duty. Because remember, duty is just the base uh, motivation for why we ought to be serving the Lord. Hey, here's an uh, analogy that I read that, that maybe kind of brings this parable into light and makes it make sense. How about this? We saw in verse 7 where it talked about how that the servant was out plowing and feeding the cattle. And you know, maybe the feeding the sheep and plowing and, and, and the field work is the duty. But you know, when it's time to come in and feed the ma- master, you know what that is? That's ministry. Amen? Feeding the cattle, working in the field is the duty. 
But being with the Master and feeding Him is our ministry. I like that analogy there. I think that makes a lot of sense to kind of help us understand the truth being taught. Now, real quick, before we close, let me show you an example of this parable. Take your Bible. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. We've talked a little bit about Saul tonight. And this story is not about Saul, but it's about his son Jonathan and who uh, uh, God used in a great way in this passage. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to go through and read. The whole chapter tells the story. But basically, uh, right before David came on the scene, Israel was in a heap of trouble because of Saul's bad leadership. They were being oppressed by the Philistines. And uh, Saul, because of his disobedience, kind of uh, uh, added to that oppression. But we see a story here of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And you know what? There was a, a victory that needed to be won. And so uh, Jonathan, uh, first of all, look here at verse, uh, verse 6. Verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, Come, let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or few. So basically, they look up on top of this mountain, and here is a troop of Philistines. And Jonathan, man, I love his attitude. He's like, we got to do something about this. There's the enemy. There they are. They won't be expecting this. He looks at a servant and says, come on, let's go up there and let's deal with these guys. Now think about this for a minute, all right? Remember, we're talking about a picture of the parable we just learned. The servant here is likened to we as Christians, okay? Jonathan here is likened to the master. And so here he says to his servant, listen, there's a task that needs to be done. Let's do it. Now notice here, the servant really didn't necessarily have a say-so. Jonathan was the mastermind behind this. And so you know what the servant did? He obeyed. He said, all right, master, whatever you want, I'm in. Amen? And so here's the servant. Think about it for a minute. Truth be told, probably thought he was climbing up to his death. More than likely. I mean, these guys are severely outnumbered, okay? Two against a garrison, which is probably about 50 or so men, okay? Those aren't good odds. But you know what? I love what Jonathan said. Listen to me. There's an enemy that needs to be dealt with. Let's go deal with him, amen? And by the way, that ought to be our mindset as Christians, all right? There's enemies out there. It may look like we're outnumbered, but they need to be dealt with. Let's deal with them. And so, you know what the servant did? He obeyed. Not only that, look at verse 7. And his armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that's in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. You know what that's called? Commitment. He was committed. He says, you know what? Whatever you think we ought to do is what we're doing. Amen? I love that attitude when it comes to what our attitude ought to be toward the Lord. God, I don't always understand it, but Lord, I trust you enough to whatever you tell me to do, I'm willing to do it. Amen? Where's that attitude in the church of Jesus Christ? Where's that attitude when it comes to reaching our community and reaching our our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Lord, I don't always make a lot of sense to me, but you said to do it. We're just going to do it. It's called commitment. Let me just say this, folks. If our church is going to grow and we're going to take those next steps God wants for us to do, and by the way, thank God for what He's doing. We've seen this already, but you know what? He ain't done yet. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take a lot of commitment. Amen? Now, we're in this thing for the Lord. So He obeyed. He was committed. And then look at verse 11. And both of them discovered themselves into the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. You know what that's called? It said that they both were willing to take a stand. Amen? Notice, they discovered themselves into the garrison of the Philistines. Now, they climbed up this big old mountain. And here they are. I'm sure they were tired from climbing. I'm sure they were exhausted from that. But they get up there and said, All right, boys, here we are. I mean, they weren't hiding who they were. 
They weren't hiding while they were there. Listen, you know what? They were willing to stand for things that were right. So here you find a servant who obeyed. You find a servant who committed. You find a servant who stood. Notice what else you see. You find a servant who believed. Look at verse 12. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. I mean, you know, here they are. You think the Philistines are worried one bit? I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, here's the Hebrews coming out of their rocks. Ooh, we're scared. Hey, once you boys come up here and we'll show you something. Hey, they were up there to show them how to play hopscotch, I can tell you that, all right? Hey, come, let's get a jump rope up, a jump rope out. Let's play a game. Are you kidding me? You know what they wanted to show them? The tips of their swords and spears and bows and arrows, all that stuff. So again, listen, the odds were against him. But you know what? The servant here believed, and here's how we know uh, he believed. Look at the next verse, verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands, upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. You know what? The servant believed. He believed his master. You know what? He had enough confidence and enough faith in Jonathan to say, you know what? If this is what you think we ought to be doing, let's do it. Amen? You know what? He believed and he followed, amen, he followed his master no matter where it took him. And by the way, you know where that that path that he followed his master took him to? It took him to a fight. Look at verse 13 again. And they they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And by the way, not only did it lead to a fight, praise God, it led to a victory. It led to a victory. Notice what it says, verse 14. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, was about 20 men. I said 50 earlier, 20. Wherein, as it were, a half acre of land with the yoke of oxen might plow. You know what the servant got to... Think about this for a minute. Literally, this servant got to experience a miracle. You know why? I think, I, come on, two against 20? You don't tell me if, they, if the two beat the 20, that wasn't a miracle? You don't tell me God wasn't involved in that? You better believe it was. Amen? They were severely outnumbered, but yet they still came out on top. Now, that all goes back to our parable, all right? You know why the servant was willing to, or was able to see this great victory and experience this miracle? You know why? Because he served his master. And you know, if we're going to see miracles, we're going to see great victories, I promise you this, folks, it's not going to be in and of ourselves. It's not going to be because we serve the devil. I can tell you that for sure. It's not going to be because we serve this world or serve our flesh. It's because we're willing to serve the Master. I'm going to tell you, you stick with the Master, you'll see things you'll never be able to see any other way. Amen? And you know what? What a wonderful illustration here of a servant who was willing to serve no matter what. So church, listen to me. Let's have that mindset when it comes to our service to God. Let's have that mindset. Let's have the mindset of, a, of being humble and understanding that, listen, it's just a reasonable service to serve the Master. And then let's have the mindset of not just serving Him out of duty, although that ought to be the basis level, but we ought to be serving Him out of a heart of love and a heart of devotion for what He's done for us. Amen? And so what a wonderful uh, parable that we learned about tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we love